I'm going to use this for the first time. Because I see Pastor Art do it all the time, right? I'm from old school. To talk to someone, we wrote on a piece of paper and put it on a little pigeon and let it go. But tonight, chapter 3 of 1. Let's turn to that. We've been studying, Pastor Art has. of 1 Peter. It's uh, so important that we understand this book because it relates to us today. You've got to remember where are the children of Israel? Where are the Christians right now? They've been scattered. They've been driven from their homes. They've been isolated. You might want to say they're quarantine and they're living up in modern Turkey that's where they were pushed because of the ruler of Rome Nero Caesar and Nero Caesar was a, a, a crazy man he was an emperor and he he burnt Rome down and then then persecuted them and began to kill them. And God scattered the people away. And so now they're living in chaos. Almost like we're, we're today. Well, everything changed in 2020, you know? Everything is different. But here's the message. All right, so here's the message of today. We have a new president in the White House. But what God wants to do is in each of our own houses. That's the importance of today. Yes, we have a new president, a new vice president. First time in history, we have a woman vice president since this country. But yet that does not change the focus that God has for us. Amen? We're still on the course that God has called us. We're sojourners. We're pilgrims in this country, in this world, because God has called us to a different place. He's called us, our vision, our focus is on heaven. And so with that, let's pray before we get into this book. Father, we thank you and praise you that you have called us for this time, for this purpose, You have called us in humility, submission to your word and to who you are. We give you thanks and praise. We lift up the Reyes family as Art's, Pastor Art's family, they lost their grandmother who went home. We ask a covering over them as they travel through Mexico. We ask that you would protect them and guide them and watch over them and use them, especially Senior Miguel Reyes. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. And so, Pastor Art's been teaching us humility, submission. Amen. We've heard that for the last couple of weeks. And its honorable life is a submissive life to God. 
okay? And you do this for the Lord's sake. Remember in 1 Peter 2, 3, let's turn to that real quick. 1 Peter 2.13, excuse me. It says, therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Everything we do is because of the Lord's sake. Obedience to God is submission to God. This humility and submission is towards God and it, it is displayed in this way in our social or our civil social life, in our workplace. And now Peter is, in, is going to describe it's also this humility and submission is also in our family and also in the church. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So... Let's read chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chasing conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on a fine apparel. Rather, let it be of the person of the heart with its incorruptible beauty, a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed, calling him Lord, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with terror. So we see this, that Peter is talking to wives. And now I'm going to address the sisters in the house. It's so important that you understand your first commitment is to God. You're, you submit to God, and in doing so, you submit to your, hus your husband. That's the way God has ordained it. Just as Citizens of this country, we submit to God, and in doing so, we submit to government. Amen? Just in the same way, just as you submit to your boss, you first submit to God. And that's what Peter is talking about. Remember, they're driven from their home. And, and what Peter is trying to describe is that in this chaotic world, you can still be a witness for Christ. You can still be submissive to God, and in so doing, you represent God in humility and in submission. And that's what Peter is trying to give, convey to us. And so he says, wives, likewise. Who's the likewise? Well, he's talking about what he just told us and what I just explained. Likewise, do you remember this word submission? I don't know if Pastor Art talked about it. There's a Greek word. It's called hypotasso. And this is what it means. That's submission. The word submission is hypertasso. And it says the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will of an authority of another person. 
subject to, to put oneself under the attitude of submission. Like the military in chain. It's a military word that means to order under. That's the word submission. So as Christians, we submit to God in that fashion. And so in submitting to God in that way, we submit to government, we submit to our bosses, and, and as wives, you submit to your husband. Now that's what God has spoken in his word. Let's turn over to Ephesians 5 and just read these passages, uh, these verses real quick. Ephesians 5, verses 22 Okay, start with verse 22. Listen to what Paul is writing to those of Ephesus in the same thought, in the same thinking. He says, Why submit to your own husband as the Lord? For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And, and that's what God's talking to the husbands. And we're going to talk about that a little later. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, For, now, <clears throat> for no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it just as the Lord does the church for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones and look at verse 31 for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh 32 this is a great mystery Paul's describing he's saying this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ in the church nevertheless let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's the order that God has called marriage. That's the order that, uh, let's go back to First Peter, um, that God is calling the home. It's so important that we understand that. And, and let's... Uh, look a little deeper into the role of the wife. And you notice that in First um, Peter 3, we have like uh, six verses dealing and talking about the wives. And then you go to verse 7, you have one verse for the men. Is that fair? It seems like it's a little off. But God is speaking to us. And I want to encourage you, wives and wives-to-be, okay, or women, that there's a structure that God has placed. God the Father, God the Son, Son over man, and man over woman. And it's not the word submission is not that uh, a man is more superior than a woman? No. We are all equal. And we'll, and we'll look at this a little closer. So, it says, verse 1, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chasing conduct accompanied 
by fear. So he's, he's describing to the wife, wife, be submissive to your husband. Then he goes on to say that even if some do not obey, who, wh- he's talking about a husband that's not a believer. And there were, remember, in this culture at this time, the husband ruled and had all the rights. A wife had no, no rights at all in this time in that culture. And so Peter's writing to them to encourage them, listen, you submit to God. And in submitting to God, you then submit to your husband. That's just the role. But remember, even if your husband is not a believer, you can still submit to that. Okay, let's go on. So it reads that even if some do not obey the word, meaning an unbeliever, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. What is conduct? What is this speaking about? It's your lifestyle. It's who you are as a person. That a wife who has an unbelieving husband can win that husband over, not with words, but by her conduct, her, her, who she is. Now think about that. Who, look at yourself. Who are you? You're a child of God. You're in Christ, but who truly are you? And how is your conduct? Very important. See, Peter was telling us our conduct is the same way when we live in this country, when we work for people. Now he's addressing the family. He's addressing the home. It's so important because if you don't have a strong family, you don't have a strong community. If you don't have a strong community, you don't have a strong country. And and keeps going. So where does this strength come by? It comes within the home. And so God is encouraging the woman. Because you got to remember, they back then, in the time when Peter wrote this, they had no rights. And today, for the first time in our country... We have a woman vice president. Now, you may not agree as a person to her, but she is our vice president. That's, sure, that's something. That is a history in the making. But what is God saying, not just in the White House, but in our house? What is God saying to you as a woman of God. Where is your conduct? How do you, is your lifestyle? Hmm. And so, Peter goes on and says, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chastened conduct accompanied by fear. What is a, it's telling you that your husband is watching you. Just as the world is watching us, Pastor Art said, your husband is watching you. I'm rem- reminded of a story of an associate pastor that I served with that him and his wife did not know the Lord. And when she came to know the Lord first, and they used to party and do all the, just the things of the world, Now, he would come home from work or come home from hanging out with the guys and she would be in her room on her knees praying for his salvation. He said, at first, it got me mad. And I'd walk up looking for my wife and I'd open the bedroom door and see her on her knees praying 
to God for my soul. And I'd close the door and I'd get all scared and I'd go outside in the garage. And he said, this happened all the time. She never told me nothing, he said. But this was drawing him. And one day, he opened that door and there she was again. And he walked into the room, got on his knees, and accepted Christ. Because of her conduct, because her seeking the Lord and her love for God, that's what God wants from a wife. That's what God, the role that God has placed you. I'll tell you what, women are powerful in the kingdom. They're more sensitive. They're more in tune. They have probably more wisdom. I know my wife has more wisdom than I do. And I tell you what, if, if I'm going through, through something, she already knows that I'm going through it. And she's already praying for me. Or she'll ask me, what's wrong? And I'm like, Nothing. But I know there's something wrong. And like nothing. But she, and then I have to humble myself in the same way and share with her these things. Because her conduct, her lifestyle is submitting to God first. You see how that works? Sisters, you submit to God first. And that's what God desires. Let's move through. So with her conduct and her husband observing, verse 2, when they observe your chastened conduct accompanied by fear. What does that mean? Her attitude, her lifestyle, her way of life is submitted to God first and he observes her Chastened conduct, meaning one that has been pure. It's like pure, chastened, worked, molded, shaped. That's what Peter is saying. Now think about it, sisters. Is that your conduct? Is that your desire of your life for God to mold you and shape you into his image? That should be your desire and all of our desires. But as the husband observes that, he's drawn to that. He's drawn to that conduct that's been chastened and accompanied by fear. And that fear is reverence, a reverence to God. See, Peter's describing this godly woman. And that's what's drawing this unbelieving husband. And just imagine when you have a believing husband and a believing wife. Wow, what a powerful house. What a powerful witness for the kingdom of God. That's what God desires. So, if you're not married today, sisters, ask God to prepare you. And how do you prepare yourself? By submitting to the Father. Submitting to his will. Because that's what God wants. Verse 3 says, now he's going to give us an example. How does this, this chastening affect? How does it look? In what way? Do not let your adornment by be merely outward arranging of the hair, mm. wearing gold and putting on fine apparel. So he's telling us what he's describing something and what is he describing? The outward. Because this chastened conduct is not outward. It's inward. And that's what Peter is saying. He's saying, listen, let me give you an example. The world is always promoting 
the outward, isn't it? We see it on commercials, billboards, advertisement. It's always pushing you to be more than what you really are. It's a false, it's a lie. But Peter is saying, here, let me show you what this conduct looks like, and it's not outward. Now, does that mean you don't do anything outward? No. But that's not the emphasis of your life. That's not the purpose of why you live. And you probably can sit there, sisters, and know women that do not know the Lord how they live. It's always outward. If this thing was working, I'd tell you what I wrote down. But I was prepared. Okay. I wrote this. In trusting the Lord. So don't let your adornment be merely outward. He's not saying don't do it at all. He's just saying don't let that be the emphasis of your life. Does that make sense? Okay. Because he's talking about your witness before your husband. You're talking about your witness before your boss. Your witness before your government. And now he's, he's encouraging us. This is how it looks. Verse 4, rather let it be of the hidden person of the heart. Okay? It's, and what is this hidden person of the heart? With the incorrup incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. He says, rather, here's a contrast, rather let it be of the inward of the heart. You ever been drawn to someone just because of what's inside of, of Christ or godliness? You just kind of are drawn to that person because it's, it's precious before God. Look what he says. Rather, don't let it just be outward, but rather be, let it be of the hidden person of the heart. And how does that look? This, it's incorruptible. It's imperishable. It's beautiful. It's gentle. It's a quiet spirit. Hmm. Remember, he, when he said in verse 1, wives, be submissive to your husbands. That if they do not, not, and by describing, by not opening your mouth without a word, they will see your conduct. Well, look what it's describing here. It's telling you this preciousness, it's a hidden, it's hidden. Rather than it be hidden of the person of the heart. I think that's an encouragement. That each one of us, but sisters, let it be of the hidden of the heart. That's what God wants. And it's an incorruptible beauty. And here's something, and it's a quiet spirit. What does that mean? It's not a spirit that boasts in their selves, but it's a quiet spirit. It's a godly spirit. It's like Christ. Remember Pastor Art was teaching how Jesus opened not his mouth when he was on the road to Calvary? He didn't. Could Jesus have stopped this whole thing? Yeah, he was God, but he didn't. These are qualifications of Christ. A quiet spirit. How does that quietness look like in your life? And is it in your life? And do you really pursue that quietness? It's a hiddenness. It's hidden in your heart. Which is very precious in the sight of God. Wow. 
Sisters, wives, do you want to be precious in the sight of God? Hide this. Hide Christ. Hide Christ in your heart. Hide Christ in your conduct. Hide Christ in your speech. Hide Christ in your heart. That's what Peter is saying. And listen, you won't find this quality promoted by the world. Not at all. The world gives you everything external. The pleasure of the eye. The appearance. Let it be of the quietness of the heart. That's what uh, Peter's trying to convey with the attributes of Christ. See, your role that God has placed is for you to be a witness. A witness to the world because of your quietness and gentleness incorruptible beauty. Verse 5 says, For in this manner, former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adored themselves, being submissive to their own husband. So he's going to give us an example of Old Testament. He says, listen, these women, here's an example of the old women of the time. Now remember, Egypt was a powerful nation at the time also. And a lot of the outward appearance of the women in Egypt, and you see the movies, and they wore, everything was outward, external. So there was a pull and an influence, just like there's a pull and influence today for you to act and look and be something that you're not. I'll tell you what, God is desiring, sisters, that you take Christ and let him work these things in you. Amen? How does that start? It starts by you getting on your knees and saying, God, change my conduct. Change my heart. Amen? So he gives us example for in this manner, the former times, the holy women who trusted in God, here's, here's, the, here's the, mark this, underlined it, the holy women who trusted in God. These women of old had to trust God for this quiet, inward spirit that God thought it was precious before him. True beauty is really from the inside out. Worldly beauty is only skin deep. Okay? Take that to heart. So he gives his example in verse 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So he gives you an example of Sarah. Sarah was, was married to Abraham. And you write these uh, two scriptures down, sisters. Genesis 12, verses 10 through 20. And Genesis 18, verses 12 to 15. And it talks about Sarah, the time when they fled to Egypt. And it says in scripture that she was a beautiful woman. And Abraham was afraid. And you'll read that story. But she calls him Lord. And in then in uh, Genesis 12, it's a time when the Lord comes to Sarah and Abraham and said, you're going to have a child when they're old in their age. And she laughed. And they said, why did you laugh? And she said, because my Lord, you said I was going to have a child. And she was already 80 years old. And that child became Isaac. Laughter. Because she laughed. She said, that's crazy. That's impossible. I tell you what, it's possible with God. 
All things are possible with God. And I challenge you, sisters, if you're looking to be a godly woman, it starts in this quietness of heart. That's what God desires. Amen? And it goes on the latter part of 6. It says, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid. Sarah called Abraham Lord, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. True submission, full of faith in God, has no room for fear and terror. True submission. If you're truly submitting to God, it has no room for fear. Because your trust is in God. But what if you say, but God, look at my husband. He's not listening. He doesn't listen. Your faith and your trust is in God. Remember that. Write that down. Put your trust in God. Because this is how it works. The father, right? The son, the son's over man, and man is over woman. And when I say over, it's not anything with authority. Because remember, men, she, your wife is your sister in the Lord. She's a daughter of God. Amen? And so the plain spiritual and authority is equal when Peter talks about a weaker vessel, he's only describing that she's weaker maybe physically than how God created man. But remember, your submission goes to God in humility. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fear because if you're seeking the Lord, God is going to move your husband. Now, it may take a little time, depending how thick-headed your husband is. It may take a little time, but I encourage you, submit yourself to God in humility, out of obedience, and you, I guarantee, you will see the hand of God. I can go on and sit down and tell you stories and stories of God reaching men because of the conduct of their wives. I encourage you, women. And look at you don't have to be a wife to start. You can start right now. Amen? Verse 7, it says, Husbands, likewise. What is likewise? Again, remember in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Wives, likewise, the same way you need to submit, husbands, men, brothers, you need to submit the same way your wife submits to God, you submit to God. That's how it works. He goes on to say, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Hmm. Likewise, be submissive to your God. Dwell with them with understanding. Brothers, dwell. The word dwell is mean to live with. Someone years ago described to me and said, Pastor Rolf, you know what that word dwells mean? I said, what? He goes, get off your horse and dwell with your wife. Meaning, don't put yourself way up here and your wife way down there. Get off your horse, humble yourself, and dwell with your wife. With what? Understanding. Listen. Understanding is a powerful word 
when it comes to marriage. Brothers, for those of you who are not married yet, and for those of you who are, understanding is, is a powerful word because it describes you are one who listens, one who thinks through, you're understanding your wife, you're understanding her moods, you're understanding what's happening today, what's going on. I tell you what, there's a lot of things going on. And as guys, we are just like walking right through the garden. We don't even notice anything. Live and dwell with understanding. Hmm. Remember we read in Ephesians 5, she, you to love her like you love yourself, men. You to love her like you submit to God, likewise. Though not submitting to your wife as a leader, she's not the leader of your home. God has called you men to lead your home. A believing husband must submit to the loving duties of being sensitive to her needs, fears, and feelings. i tell you what, I've met a lot of men in counseling over the last 40 years and asked them, what makes your wife happy? I'll, I'll guarantee it's, they're clueless. What is your wife's biggest fear? Uh, they don't know. How, do, how would a husband know? Because he dwells with her with understanding. He sits and listens to her heart. And again, what is the wife doing? She's submitting and allowing that quietness of the Lord the Spirit of God to move her. I tell you what, when you have that happening in the home, it's a powerful home. Your children are blessed. It's a way God has ordained it. And remember, why is Peter talking about this? They're, living, they're scattered. They're sojourners. They're pilgrims. They're in a whole different region of the world. They're not even home. But yet he's telling them, in this environment, this chaos, you can still, within the home, be a witness to the world. Because that's what a marriage is. A strong marriage, a strong husband, a strong wife is a witness to the world. And how do we need it today? How much do we need that witness? Wow. We see the world today. They are looking for stability. They're looking for something they can attach to that is substance. Because the world doesn't give that. We saw the adorning of, of a woman, the, the, the natural worldly is the, everything on the outside. But not the inner, not the heart, not the quietness of the spirit. Do you see how that works? So he goes on to say, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. How do you give honor to your wife? Respecting, understanding her, knowing her wellness, knowing her joy, what makes her smile. When a husband has this understanding, God can direct him because he is looking to have understanding for his wife. God can then direct him as the head of the home and the responsibility lies upon you, men, for God's direction and spiritual guidance. I know I've met a lot of families, Christian homes, 
where it's upside down. The man does nothing and the woman is doing it all. That's not the way God wants. Men, we need to stand up and become men of the word of God. Our society is hurting. And if we can't stand in our own home, how are you going to stand out in the workplace? How are you going to stand out in our world? We need strong men. That's why we come to hear the word of God. This helps you men to dwell with your wives. But like I said, this is where men fall short. They understand their wives, but they don't dwell with them. That's a big part. Giving honor, how does a husband do this? When Peter is writing this, the world had been, it was the teaching, it was radical. Because in this culture, the ancient culture, a husband had no absolute had all the absolute rights over his wife, and the wife had no rights in the marriage. But this is the role of God, ordained duties and obligations of a husband towards his wife. The world at this time taught the husband, forget, your wife is just like a slave to you. But not in God's plan. She is co-heir with you. She inherits the kingdom of God. She is the daughter of God. Respect your wives. Live and dwell. Get off your horse and come down and understand her. What's her, what's her, what does she fear? Good question. If you're married, Ask. Ask her. It says, as the weaker vessel. Weaker speaks of the woman's physical weakness in comparison to man. But spiritual, we're on the even ground with no different roles. Spiritually, we're even. That's the way God ordained it. Heirs together. Godly husbands understand that this spouse is not only his wife, but also his sister, as I said, and God's daughter. That's very important. That helps me a lot to understand. If I get frustrated or there's something I don't like, I understand, Father, that's your daughter. You speak to her (laughs) because she's not listening to me. (laughs) God, you speak to your daughter. Because I'm your son, and she's your daughter, you speak to her. And and God does. Or then sometimes I have to come and address something in the home. Because I'm, I'm responsible to how my house lives. I'm responsible as a man to make sure our children grandchildren, how we represent Christ in our home. It falls on my uh, shoulders, not my wife. For men who are not married, remember that. It falls on your shoulder when when God brings a godly woman. Remember, it's your responsibility to carry the cross in your home. Amen? Amen. Let's move through on verse 8. Oh, excuse me. Very important part. Sorry. Let's go back to verse uh, 7. And being heirs together by the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Hmm. What is, what is Peter saying? That as a husband, if I am not living and dwelling and understanding and realizing she's an heir to the kingdom of God the same way I am, and if I'm not respecting that, 
my prayers will be hindered. Wow. Men who are married, you ever feel like your prayer goes up and hits the ceiling and comes down? You ever feel like God is not hearing you? Maybe it's because you're not dwelling with your wife with understanding. Because it says here that your prayers will be hindered. Wow. So Peter is telling us, this is how you act, husbands, towards your wife. Because of who she is. So your prayers are not hindered. Hmm. Verse 8. Finally, all of you. Now, he, chapter 2 tells us civil society, the workplace towards your boss, your family, husbands and wife. And now he says in verse 8, finally, finally, all of you, if you don't fall in those four things, here you are. Submit to God. Finally, submit to God. That's very important. Listen, God is moving in this transition. We need to have humility and submission to God first. So then God can take alive and use it in unity for the kingdom of God. It says, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Hmm. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courageous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit, inherit a blessing. He says, finally, he's talking to the church, the brothers and sisters, all of you be of one mind. Listen, we have to be of one mind as God is moving us to a new land. We have to be together. We have to encourage. If you see a brother or sister maybe struggling in this move, go up to them and encourage them. Be of one mind. That's what... um, Peter's telling us to be of one mind. To think the same as one-minded. The idea is to maintain inward unity of the heart. Like-minded. Having compassion for one another. Write down Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And you're... Off time and your study time, look that up. God is calling us to be one-minded. He tells us to have compassion or sympathy. Love as brothers. This is in a recurring time that Peter is constantly reminding us, love your brother, love your sister, care for one another. He's reminding us. When God reminds us for something, and he says it two or three times because he's making a point. Please love. The world is not loving. We saw it demonstrated in the riots. The looting. Here in this home, here at Alive, let the love of God reign in your heart. I encourage you, in your home, let love of God reign as husbands, as wives, as co-workers, as citizens of this country. It says, love as your brothers, be tender-hearted, be courageous, courteous, Not returning evil for evil. Here's the example, verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. Listen, 
It's so important that you don't return evil for evil. Don't be like the world. Don't return insulting when someone insults you. Remember, Christ showed us in chapter 2 how to live, how he lived to the cross to bring victory in our lives, to bring salvation of souls. I, this, is, this is a very hard movement of God's spirit that he's calling us, don't bring, be evil. When, when evil comes against you, don't act out in evil. But be loving. Not returning evil for evil, for reviling. But on the contrary, on the very opposite, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. He's talking to the church. He's talking to each one of us. Be the very opposite. That's what he's saying. And I, I tell you what, how do you work this out? How does this look <clears throat> when I'm in the presence of God? When I'm in humility and submitting to God, I won't revile back. I won't be evil because it's the love of God has changed my heart. <clears throat> On the contrary, blessings that you, knowing that you were called to this, this is your calling to be different from the world. Don't be like the world. The world is outward and it's perishing. God is calling you to be inward, which is precious in the sight of God. Jesus, that you may in inherit a blessing. Here's the blessing, verse 10. He who would love his life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God's turns to those who seek his will, who desire to speak what is right, speak the love of God. But on the evil part, God turns from that. Here's the blessing. Refrain your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. The contrary, the blessing. Let him seek peace and pursue it. I think this year we saw, or last year we saw, people not seeking peace and not seeking truth. It was chaos. We have to be different if we're going to affect the world. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Amen. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Listen, returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, is not what God is calling us to. But on the contrary, bless. Because that's who you really are. Do you know that? That's who you really are. You are a child of the living God. God wants to bless you, but you got to surrender. You have to surrender to your own ways. And where does it, where does it start? One of the biggest things is right now, where we're here. It starts with us coming before the throne of God and say, here I am. Lord, I, women, I want to be a quiet spirit. I want 
this beauty, not on the outward, but I want it inward. Like Sarah and the women of old. Men, you want to love your wife like Christ loved the church. You want to live with her, dwell with her with understanding. Why? So the family can be strong and you'll receive a blessing from God. God will see you and meet your needs. He will speak the things of your heart. He wants to bless you. Let's stand. We're just going to just take a couple minutes just before the Lord. You and the Lord as we play this song to worship the Lord, just let's just give it to the Lord and then I'll close in prayer. Amen.